0: my story is one that actually started with a nightmare
1: what comes to your mind when you hear the term abortion survivor many people hear that and think oh it's a woman that has had an abortion or survived quote-unquote an abortion But no, an abortion survivor is someone who, when they were a baby in the womb, someone attempted to end their life, but it was unsuccessful. What happens when those babies are born alive and are now adults? I was given the incredible honor and privilege to interview Kim Marvin, an abortion survivor. During the interview, we experienced a little bit of technical glitches, but for the most part, everything came out smoothly, but would just ask for your understanding on those parts that have messed up. Here's Kim's story. Well, Kim, I'm excited to hear about you, so please tell me a little bit about you.
0: Um, Well, I grew up in the Northwest. I did work in California for several years. I worked with major retailers, and I have three amazing um, adult children that are the light of my life that God has given me. I um, graduated marketing, business degree from the University of Washington, and um, I actually live, I moved in my parents' just about a couple of years ago during COVID. Okay. Um, they needed help and this is where I could bring them. So um, all in all, I have three other siblings and we're pretty powerfully tight siblings. Um, and my parents actually are still married by God's grace. Mm, mine too. So, praise God. <laughs> praise God. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it was a tumultuous journey but you know what we're all better for it in a lot of ways Mm. um so that's pretty much i'm very faithful i've been in and out of my faith and i know you were asking me about maybe some hobbies and i really really enjoy outside Mm. and i enjoy biking and i enjoy cross-country skiing those are my two favorites wow so cross-country skiing Yes, yes, I love it. Wow. Okay. I thought you were going
1: to say cross country, and I was no. like, oh, I can, I can meet you there. I used to run cross, but Cross country skiing. Wow. That's so cool.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's a beautiful sport. I love it.
1: I asked Kim how abortion has played into her personal story. This is what she had to say.
0: Well, I think it's probably best to just give you pretty much my story, because that will answer a lot of questions that people or the viewers might have. Yeah. Um, I, I'll start with this. My story is one that actually started with a nightmare. Okay. And if you remember those little precious feet pamphlets that were handed out and they had a pair of baby's feet, 10 week old baby's feet on them, they were handed mm -hmm. out all over the place. Mm Mm-hmm. On when I was trying to put together my story, on the back of that pamphlet was a saying that I think God just smacked me in the head. And he said, It says, Some people think that my life began at birth, but my life journey started long before. Mm. That, in a nutshell, kind of summarizes my story. As a little girl, as far back as I can remember, I would have a reoccurring nightmare. It was terrifying. It would start with a very strange feeling as if someone is trying to break into your door to kill you. And it Mm. was paralyzing. It would just paralyze me. Mm. The scene would come to view as as if I was moving through fog and I'd come to a clearing. And I'd see this dark, webby environment with a liquid black object in the upper left-hand corner. Somehow I knew it was going to kill me and it would move and get closer and closer year after year. At age 15, I woke up in the middle of my nightmare crying. This black object had come closer than it ever had. Hmm. It was terrifying. I, I ran into my parents' room. I turned on the light. They Wiped the sleep from the eyes and they sat up looking at me like what's wrong and I'm not a big crier so crying was somewhat something I didn't do very often mm-hmm. and I just said I cannot take this anymore mm. I have never told anybody this but since I can remember as a little girl I had these nightmares and they've just continued more and more I am in this veiny environment and there's a black object in the upper left-hand corner. And I know it's going to take my life. Wow. And tonight, it got closer than it ever has. In fact, when you put your hand in front of your face, you know how you sense there's something there? Yes. That's what it was like. And my continued posture in this nightmare, other than being terrified, is that I was constantly pushing back into something. Just as far back as I could push back, I was pushing. And that's just kind of what I remember as basically a fetus. I would just be on guard and ready like to be pushing back. As I'm telling my parents, I watched the color drain from their face. And I thought, wow, what do they know that I don't know? Hmm. And my dad looked at my mom and he said, you know what she's talking about? And my mother said, yes, I know what she's talking about. And then she looked at me. And said five words that to this day I will never forget. I almost had you aborted. Mm-hmm. Now, they were unmarried high school sweethearts who'd found themselves pregnant. You'd think that the news that I almost had you aborted would have been devastating. But mysteriously, I have to say I was relieved. Wow. Because that completely explained what I was experiencing my nightmare. Mm-hmm. I was in my mother's womb. Goodness. Finding out this news that I had survived an abortion, I really just felt like I was the only one. Like I was some kind of an alien. Because you don't have this conversation with just anybody. And I there was nowhere, like when I went to the doctor, because I had health issues, I didn't say, there had no checkbox for abortion survivor. No. no. And then you know, finding somebody who you can actually speak to halfway understands what you're going through um, is pretty close to impossible until I met Melissa and she started Abortion Survivor Network. And as of right now, and it just keeps climbing, we're over 600 abortion survivors that have connected to the Mm -hmm. network, which is still mind blowing that There are more like us out there. So goodness. And I want to say this really quick. I want to
1: affirm you and just say this to people listening. You know, I have heard other abortion survivors, not that I've interviewed because you're the only one I've ever interviewed. But when I've Mm -hmm. listened to their stories, many of them have have talked about nightmares. Yeah, Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because some people would be quick to say, well, there's no way you can remember anything in the womb. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm not a psychologist, anything like that but I uh, have a little bit of training on trauma and memories that form during trauma. And I will tell you, I am not Mm -hmm. surprised to hear you say Mm -hmm. that because uh, it is, those memories are ingrained in us and even can change the way our brains develop uh, any trauma before age five. So if anyone is thinking there's just no way she can remember that, well, your body does, maybe not your, um uh, you don't remember it like you would remember, you know, uh what you you did yesterday, but your your yeah. every cell in your body
0: remembers trauma.
1: So goodness gracious. It is gracious. a um,
0: <laughs> it's a memory that um basically you know, I really could never forget the the nightmare. It was it visited me. I can't even, can't even count the number of times I would have it. Um it was exhausting. But Mm. as a child, I just never, even as a teenager, I never knew to say anything to anybody. It became almost, you know, this is just what I have. This is part of life Mm. for me. Mm. I don't believe that my survival is an accident. Mm. I do believe it's a miracle. And I do believe that, you know, my father in heaven had his hand on that. Mm. Amen. And I... I believe that all children, you know, no matter what age you are in the womb or out of the womb, you're still a child. You're still a child of God. Absolutely. And um, I also would say that um, the night, this is a really important piece of my story, and I'm trying to be brief. The night when I described my nightmare to my parents, I just watched my mom's face. It was just Heavy with pain, guilt, and I, my heart was breaking for her. Because like me, she had been traumatized by the abortion attempt. Mm-hmm. The industry then didn't really talk to you about anything. It wasn't ever referred to as a child. Right. And my mother looked at me after she told me that she almost had me aborted And she said, Kim, I am so sorry. Will you ever forgive me? And Mm. and I said, yes, mom, I forgive you. It's right at that point, unknowingly, we said a a short prayer. We all went back to bed. And I had the biggest miracle probably happen in my life, which was my my nightmare disappeared.
1: It would never come
0: back again. Because the nightmare vanished because of an exchange of forgiveness, Hmm. a forgiveness between a mother and a daughter. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's incredible. I definitely like get chills listening
1: to that and, So you had said that you have adult children. So I'm just trying to do the math. Um, Was this, were you born during or before the Roe decision? Because that was in early 70s, correct? That Roe Roe became law. Okay. So when would this have been? And yeah. In the 60s. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Can I ask you just out of curiosity, if if you want to share that is, did your mother try an abortion herself did she tell you did she go to a doctor do you know
0: that part of the story um she went to a local doctor who was very well known for his abortion procedures which were illegal at the time but pretty much most teens knew of this option at his office so yes she went to a doctor she went through with the process and what I remember her sharing with me was she, the only thing, because she was young, she was 17. Um, mm. The only thing she kind of remembers from it, and her memory is very piecemeal. It's not, it was very traumatic, like I said. Well, sure. Yeah. And she said, I remember the, this piece of paper said, not a viable pregnancy. That's really all she knew. So when I discussed it with her, she said, you know, I just thought if you weren't healthy, that you, that it would take you. And if you were healthy, that you would live. And, and in her 70 year old brain, that's what she was thinking. Wow. Um, But when you were given, and I do not have documentation, which uh, chemical was given to her. She knows she was given a chemical and that just the little research I have done that was pretty, um, for sure that the abortion would be completed. Yeah. In my case, they were very surprised to see that I, that I wasn't dead. Um, but I continued to grow.
1: Okay. So you immediately in that moment offered your mother forgiveness as a 15 year old. Right.
0: You know what, when you're living with a traumatic experience, you know, I would say weekly, let's just say modestly, it was weekly Mm. for 15 years. I mean, as as early as I can remember. So so let's just say I remembered at three, so 12 years, you, um, you tend to, I just didn't know what it was. I had no idea. So when my mother said, I almost had you aborted, it. it's like two wires connected, and I got a shock. Like, oh my gosh, that's what it was. So to mm. me, it, it was clarifying, it was knowing what I repeatedly experienced in these terrors, these nightmares, and it answered so many questions. I really I didn't even shed a tear. You there
1: were just, just so nothing. relieved. I was so relieved.
0: Like. Mm. Yes, yes, I wow. really and I have heard other people say that as well it's not you can get both reactions but for me I was like so really so if I ever have it again I knew what it was and I knew where I was and I knew what that black thing was so it answered so many questions
1: not to excuse it but you have said you know your mother was also traumatized at 17 you're still a kid yourself Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. you know, you said that she had thought, well, if the baby's healthy, you know, it'll be fine. If yeah. not, it won't be. You know, there's so much uh, of a predatory system um, yeah. to these women, and that doesn't take away, you know, the personal responsibility. But I also know that, you know, one's knowledge of the situation does affect culpability. And if they're coming yeah. in and they're saying, hmm. I'm not really sure how far along I, you know, back then they really didn't even, they didn't have sonograms. I mean, I was born in 88 and so so has my husband. Mm -hmm. They did not even use a sonogram one time for my mom or my husband's mom when we were in the womb. So it's like, they really, you know, you can't expect a 17 year old in the sixties to know the intricate anatomy and, you know, things like that. And so I'm grateful Mm. that today we know so much and it makes it harder and harder to, with a straight face, argue that pro-choice is is a logical, you know, okay position to take. And so, you know, I'm grateful for that, that knowledge yeah. that you have, but that also, I guess, leads me to another question is how do you engage or do you engage with friends or acquaintances that are pro-choice? Do you get in those conversations? And if so, do you just straight up say, well, hey, I'm an abortion survivor and Can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Oh, yes, I definitely can. I have to say when I learned at 15 that I was almost, well, I was aborted. um, I would not, we really didn't talk about it after that. In our family, it was never discussed. My mother and I never spoke of it again. I knew it was traumatic for her. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to rekindle trauma in somebody. So I would practice like in some town that I was traveling to and let's say I was in line for getting an ice cream cone it didn't really matter I would try sharing a story with a group of girls and this is my experiment what would what would happen if I said something about this wow and i re- remember the first time i did it i was in new orleans and i had six girls behind me chatting and laughing and i was just ta- i just turned and started talking to them I go, and so I said, Hey, I have a story for you guys. And I shared it so briefly, and their faces, <laughs> they just could not believe what I was saying. I'm like, Oh, wow, they're listening. Mm. And it was such a riveting moment in my life. Like, I just have body chills from this. And I said, I'm sharing this with you. Whether it makes a difference or not, I want you to know that the womb which holds that beautiful child, it's a child, no matter what age it is. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, and maybe God touched a heart and saved a life. I don't know, but I knew something happened in that meeting. And Mm -hmm. I did that here and there, but I have family members who are pro-choice. I have, Mm -hmm. I mean, in my extended family, everybody has their own experience. But what I try to do is speak the truth. And I can Mm -hmm. only speak from my experiences just as they speak from their experiences. And we love each other. No matter that this is the divide, even the divide between the unborn child and the mother, there's division. You know, abort or not to abort. So division is running hot and heavy in our world right now. So try to bridge that gap. And the only thing you can bridge it with is love. Because I can tell if I share this story with somebody I know or know a little bit, I can tell if they've been wounded by abortion, meaning Mm. they've had an abortion and there's an instant disconnect and, and my heart just hurts. I mean, I could, it's so painful to see the pain in their face Mm. because they're, they're not escaping pain. There's, they're they're having their own trauma and usually it's anger, it's fear and the decision is made. And they have to live with that. And I think that breaks my heart probably more than anything is to see the hurt after an abortion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I see where they're all there, you know, they're they're angry, they're loud, they're screaming, they're yelling, you know what? You gotta love them.
1: I asked Kim how she has seen God redeem and work through her story.
0: Well, in so many ways, um, I think that the most important one was through forgiveness. And to me, those forgiveness is huge. And I, and I want to branch into a part of my story that I haven't shared yet. And that was, um, when I got married and started having my children, I had a lot of questions, you know, why is the black, black blob in the upper left-hand corner? What is it? And I knew my mom just wasn't ready for all of my questions. And so year after year, we'd have a little bit more conversation. Because again, this is a wound that she has as well. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to be very respectful and not discuss it for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, I just had to have some answers. Um, And my mother was taken to the clinic for the abortion by her mother hmm. who had lost two husbands before I think she even turned 32 to had died and her life was full of trauma and she was raising three children on her own. Yeah. And who felt an abortion was definitely what my mother needed. Um, so I had found out that she had taken my mother in for this abortion. And at one point I really felt prompted to sit with my grandmother and tell her what i knew and i told my mother i was going to do this i wasn't doing it underhandedly and behind her back i told her i'm going to talk to grandma because my grandma was getting old and i i just (laughs) felt like this needs to be discussed right because that generation didn't talk about things they just shut everything down for instance my mother's when my mother's dad died when my mother was seven nobody told my mother that her father died My My grandmother was in the hospital with pregnant and she lost the baby. She couldn't even go to the funeral. There was just trauma upon trauma. Yeah. And my mother was traumatized by that. It was Mm -hmm. very traumatic. So I went to my grandmother. I explained the dream. She knew exactly what I was talking about. It's so funny when you describe the truth to somebody,
1: Mm. it hits
0: a part of them. They're very aware of what you're talking about. And she couldn't look at me and we were driving in the car and I kind of meant to do it that way so she could have space and we were very close and she just told me to take her home and I did. She didn't even look back at me when she got out of the car. I was just bawling and I thought, oh my gosh, I just killed her. (laughs) But I thought I did the right thing and I, and I thought I did the right thing, but no, I think maybe she might die. She just mm. turned white and she went into her condo, and I didn't hear from her that night. And I just came home and was sobbing in my mm. bed. Mm. And then the next morning, that's where I get emotional. Sorry. The next morning, she called me and she said, Thank you. Mm. Wow. And it was not the words that I expected to hear, but what she said, I want to share with anybody who has ears to hear this. She said, I woke up every every morning morning." since that time of your abortion with this gigantic weight strapped on my shoulders. And there was not a morning. I didn't wake up without it. And this morning and I, and I told her, I forgave her that there's Hmm. nothing she could ever do that would ever change my love for her. And that, I believe that forgiveness was so important because she woke up without the weight. She goes, Kim, mm. I've never woken up without that weight. Mm. And that's why she said thank you. And, and you know, that's God. That's that's the healing power he has over us. Yeah. To heal those dark areas of our life we never want to open the door on. The Pandora's box that just doesn't want to stop feeding us with lies and and Mm. guilt and shame and all of that Mm. but the word but by bringing it to light as jesus said you can really you can kind of stop the growth of darkness Mm. in my opinion absolutely yeah the light shines
1: in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it
0: yeah that's right that's right (laughs) amen
1: You are a part of the Abortion Survivors Network, and so can you tell us how you heard about them and what it is that they do?
0: Oh, I'd love to tell you about that. I, 10 years ago, I was at a conference and I was listening to Abby Johnson. Yes. And I'm sure everybody knows who Abby Johnson is. She needs no introduction. And when she was done speaking, she was racing for the door because she had to make a flight and I practically tackled her, and I said, I'm a survivor, <laughs> and I need to connect to somebody. Um, at that point, I really didn't know anybody, and I there may have been one speaker out there. I just didn't know a lot about it. So she wow. gave me Melissa Odin's phone number. I contacted exactly. Melissa right away. She was just as gentle as you could be, and she um, encouraged me. She talked to me and she just said one thing. She said, just start writing your story. Now, I'm not a writer. And I started writing my story. Um, And then nine years later, actually nine years later, I contacted her and she had started the Abortion Survivor Network. Wow. That was shocking to me that there was actually other survivors out there. Wow. And basically what she was doing was creating a community of hope and healing because we are out there by ourselves. It's very infrequently that you can sit down with somebody and have a conversation about being an abortion survivor. They look at yeah. you cross-eyed and say, is that a thing? Right. And, and I'm like, no, it's not a thing. It's human beings. But sure. back then, I, I think it's a very common Um, thought that we're alone, that there is Mm. nobody else like us. That's what a majority of survivors believe. Mm. And Melissa has bridged that gap of being alone on an island to coming to a community, a family where, you know, we are not alone anymore. And it's transformational as survivors, as we connect with one another and actually become somewhat of a family. Because you're speaking to people who understand your experiences, even though pretty much all abortion survivors have different stories, sometimes there is a consistency in our stories. Absolutely. Um, And definitely a lot of wounds and a lot of trauma, but we're there for each other. And you have a sense of trusting somebody who's been where you've been.
1: Absolutely. Wow. Well, I'm really glad that you have them. And I, like I said, was telling you earlier, uh, when I learned that there were survivors, I didn't know how many there were. And I, certainly when I had learned about it, I guess, 10 to 12 years ago, I don't think the, like you were saying, uh, it was like nine years later, I don't think the Abortion Survivors Network was a thing. So that's
0: relatively no. recent, correct? Yeah. two thousand. I think it's 2019 she started it. She was getting okay. a lot of people coming up to her after her talks and saying, I'm one of you. And, mm-hmm. and after a, f- a few of, of those, and I can't tell Melissa's story. But she noticed there's a lot more out there and her goal is to reach them. And Mm. that is God put that on her heart. That's her mission. And that's what she's doing. And thank God she is because we'd all still be out there thinking, oh, I guess we're it. I guess we're alone and nobody will ever understand how I'm feeling.
1: What can I do and my listeners do um, to better support the Abortion Survivors Network, uh, to better support people like you just prayerfully and should we share stories on Facebook you know the abortion survivors network on Facebook that's how I first found them just what are ways that we can get involved and we can support you guys and and help this vision that Melissa started
0: uh, to continue to move forward well we are a fairly new uh, movement of survivors and I would say you know first and foremost is always prayer prayers of protection prayers of um, prayers of protection. And also we're, you know, a lot of people who work for Abortion Survivor Network, they're not paid positions. So any financial help we can get would be wonderful. I know there's plenty of help to get rid of us, but now that we're here, it's like, well, we're here. We're here to stay. And <laughs> right. I think helping her reach these, they're all over the world. They're all over the world. And And Melissa's heart is just, this is what God called her to do. And anything you can help advance this would be, you know, more than appreciated. Clearly you
1: have been walking with the Lord uh, into deep valleys in this. It's just very obvious that you have been with him. And so um, I guess to wrap up, I would just ask um, to anybody that might be listening who is probably feeling incredible guilt over having had an abortion, having not, we can't go back and change that. Um, what would you say to them?
0: Hmm. You know what? Forgiveness. I, I don't, I think that God really brought that to my forefront as forgiveness to forgive yourself, especially my mother has blessed me sharing my story hmm. and I, I know she knows she's forgiven by God, but sometimes the hardest thing you can do is to forgive yourself.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I would say that would be my prayer is that they let go of the guilt, the shame, whatever accompanied that. And maybe you don't have any of that. I don't know, but I, but I pray that, you know, you will have clarity and, and freedom in, um, in that forgiveness.
1: Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, last question, Kim, how did you feel when you heard the news of Roe v. Wade being overturned and that decision now going to the states, no longer being you know, a federally
0: upheld law? How did you feel hearing that? Oh, I mean, it's a celebration day and I know it wasn't a celebration day for a lot of people, but definitely for survivors, it's a celebration day.
1: The last question I asked Kim did not pick up due to bad internet connection, but I asked her what was a Bible verse or two that had become very precious to her and that God had ministered to her uh, with, and she shared this.
0: Well, you know, it's always my tried my my one scripture is Romans eight twenty eight, and we all know that all things God works for the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And to me, that always rings true because I wouldn't be here if his hand was not involved in saving my life. Mm. So he has a purpose for me and I believe it is simply to share this story mm. and and, all, and also give a face or a name to this thing that people don't think exists, which is an abortion survivor.